No one understands me. No one knows my story. What is your story? What's Your Story is a podcast that explores the unique and personal cultural experiences in this now international world. I'm Serene. And this is Tammy. And you're listening to What's Your Story? On CGSW at at 90.9 FM. This episode will be divided into two parts. Part one will contain the history of feminism and me and Serene personal stories about our experience with feminism from our countries. We'll also talk about intersectional feminism. In part two, we'll be interviewing one of our anonymous guests and their non-binary experience with feminism in their country. Feminism. 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 I strongly think that feminism is more of an action. Giving women an opportunity to find a rightful place. So, what, what, what is a woman? Can you define it? I, I have never heard of a feminist who remains a feminist when the check is by All these comments about needing to marry and get a husband. Today, we are discussing feminism. And a classic, of course. Mm-hmm. And I thought it would be interesting. We thought it would be interesting since Siren is from, was born and raised in India. I was born and raised in Nigeria mm-hmm. to kind of compare notes on, her, on our experiences with feminism from the countries we came from. Yeah, so, well, firstly, we'd like to, like, define feminism just loosely. It's the advocacy of women's rights on the basis of the equality of the sexes. I'd go so far as to say we're just um, kind of advocating for equality all the way through, like, with sexes. Nobody's asking to be superior. We're just asking Mm -hmm. to be respected on the same level that you are. Yeah, absolutely. So, like, definitely this means different genders, non-binary, female... Um, male, anything, honestly, and gender fluid people, definitely this is not going to be any sort of tirade on the exclusion of any genders. So Tammy, you grew up in Nigeria. What was the general experience of feminism in Nigeria? I think, and for a lot of conservative countries, because Nigeria is a very conservative country, um, women are women are put in a very archaic manner. Mm. They're the mothers, they're the wives, they're the cooks, they're the mm-hmm. caregiver. For some reason, they run half of your life, but they're not res- they're not treated with the res- with the respect that they should be. And it's it was difficult because as I as I grew up, I had four sisters. Oh wow! Okay. Uh, uh, sorry, I have three older sisters, mm-hmm. and growing up, it was interesting to start seeing things that I realized were unfair to women and were only mm-hmm. unfair because we were women. Yeah. It's I don't know. It's almost puzzling in a way. Mm-hmm. My mother is probably the most organized person. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> in the world and it it just it it marveled me because it seemed like they were literally running half of their uh, half of the lives of the family they Mm. were in charge of everything because they had to be that was their role right yeah and that's like unpaid labor as well like it's so interesting how much of that is like 
looked down on, even though that's actually just doing everything. <laughs> everything. I, I don't think my dad could survive without my mom, if I'm being yeah, honest. Absolutely. She does everything. Mm. And and growing up it just always felt like oh you know you're a little girl for some reason it always comes up like oh you're gonna grow up and get married and everything and i remember one day oh my god it was like at school there was a there was an inter-house sports like sports day and i was so i there was a matter that came up that was unfair to girl that was unfair no, it was not fair to girls. I just didn't want to be in a particular club. Mm-hmm. I wanted to move to a club, another club, and I was very insistent on it. Mm-hmm. And another female teacher that was there was like, you can't have this attitude when you get married. And in my mind, I was just like, oh my gosh, what? how did that, what's the relation? <laughs> because, because I was complaining and trying to get my way and like standing oh, yeah, up like, for myself. How dare you? You wouldn't want to stand up when you're being um, asked to do something you don't want to do in a marriage. That's unacceptable exactly how dare you <laughs> exactly <laughs> and i was just like okay i was just like okay okay now i know the type of person you are mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's basically women in nigeria mm-hmm. we do everything but are considered with the same respect and in in nigeria it's also kind of a thing that later that later in when a guy when a man gets older he's supposed to like get a second wife because like he oh, yeah. and his first wife won't be like yeah. close anymore and like the second wife is supposed to take care of him <laughs> in his old age yeah. <laughs> so it's just like oh it's just like so this is un- an unpaid job where i get laid off when you turn 50 <laughs> <laughs> that's so true it's like it's like a nursing home job at that point how did you feel with like okay so okay so that's like the treatment of women in nigeria right in in particular so what did you feel was your first feminist moment maybe like in nigeria did you feel at any point like where you felt oh yeah this is what i'm feeling is the sense of unfairness and indignance for the way that the world is regarding the treatment of women so when when was that moment for you it was when we had this subject called um, civic, mm-hmm. like pol- like I mean political stuff, right? Like it's yeah. Yeah, it's kind. It's supposed to teach you how to be like a good citizen. Exactly, <laughs> classic. Yeah, <laughs> love that. So f- for some reason, um, we had an assignment on like the causes of rape, and <laughs> this was very puzzling because mm-hmm. I want to get a good grade, but I do not believe in anything that I'm writing down. Mm. So it, I just it, I forced myself to suspend my beliefs, at, and that's when I realized how strong my beliefs were. Mm. And so, just like just to explain to the audience or the viewers and the listeners, mm-hmm. um, what was expected? What would the perfect answer be according to your civic class? I got a, I got an A on the assignment or a ten out of ten. So what did you write? Um, the causes of rape are indecent dressing, going out at late times. Okay, wow. Okay, yeah. It was... It was, like, things like provoking... Mm -hmm. Provoking men, like, getting into a fight. That would be the cause of... Yeah. And Mm -hmm. it it was painful, but it did help that after class, our teacher wanted to talk about it because I guess some people got some stuff wrong, so he wanted to clarify. Mm -hmm. And in, in the middle, I was just like... But that doesn't. But all of this doesn't make sense. Even if a woman is like walking naked on the road, nobody has the right to rape her. Absolutely. And the whole class was shocked at what I said. <laughs> 
Unbelievable. Man, did you hear what Tammy said right here? She's like demon possessed or something, y'all. She thinks women is, have rights. And like I like I said, it was a very surprising moment because I real I was realizing how strong I didn't even know I had these strong beliefs, mm-hmm. but it just it just kind of came out. Mm-hmm. And in that mom in that time also, I also realized that that oh my god, so this is how, what women are reduced to. Mm-hmm. My me living my life doing what I want is somehow so is somehow going to put me in danger. So like it's my fault if I'm out at night wearing a short mm-hmm. skirt. I'm basically inviting someone, someone's attention, someone yeah, attention, and it didn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. You're right. It's it's absolute bullshit. And the fact that that bullshit is taken as a cultural assumption is insane. Because like I was told that so many times too. Like don't go out of the house at night. And it's funny because like my parents would say that out of like this thing of like oh yeah there are dangerous people outside and i get that but doesn't it suck that we're the ones who are like who have to live with that limit on our lives instead of the people who need to deserve that punishment be given that like why is it that we're not allowed to go outside when they shouldn't be allowed to go outside like if that's their intent you it, know like that's insane it's kind of like telling somebody who was murdered that well it was your fault that he was mur- murdered it's, it's, it's your fault blaming. that you were, mur- you were murdered uh, yeah exactly instead exactly. of going don't kill people or don't sexually assault women if a woman is on her own walking in the road please leave her alone let her mm. go with on with her life no 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 no. that that wouldn't make any sense yeah you don't get murdered you don't get assaulted (laughs) (laughs) yeah honestly that assignment i would have failed it because i would have wrote i don't know like patriarchy lack of empathy cruel nature um no self-control the great the great the tempting of a good grade over okay i was like i said it was so painful that's why i had to blow up in class honestly yeah yeah that's that's insane uh thank you for sharing that that honestly sounds like such an insane experience and the fact that that's like demanded of you as a class to like know is is crazy like for me um in india it's very similar in the sense that there is this emphasis on the woman being the wife the 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 married the the one over the delicate the you know all of these things and as that kind of is phasing out i will acknowledge but like it's still very prevalent in the way people talk about things like for example um my grandparents like okay i don't know if this is like a grandparent thing but you know like they always are the whole like oh i want to stay alive till you get married so i get to see the kind of husband you're married to and so also like uh like this is a genuine question like um in nigeria did they have like the dowry system or is that like only just they no did? no they do they do okay, have okay. a diary they do have a diary system my mm-hmm. mom had a diary really okay it was i oh my god i actually saw the list one time like <laughs> the list that her people gave <laughs> my dad yeah it was like uh, it was like alcohol cows money oh <laughs> so did your so so okay so just to clarify like with okay so just in case people don't know what the dowry system is so when you're born with a woman or with a girl child Mm-hmm. Um, it's usually looked down upon because that's a huge financial burden. And the reason there's a financial burden is that you need to pay a man and his family to get to take the woman off your hands during the time of marriage. So, And um, the amount that you pay is considered 
the worth of that woman or something like so it has to be like in nigeria it's the other way around it's the man who has to pay to take that's the girl really away. interesting yeah, mm-hmm. yeah yeah i did i like i gathered by the way that you were okay. saying this as well but like yeah like i like so in that sense it's still this thing about worth isn't it like yes. are you worth two cows are you worth one cow we used to joke about it like uh, like growing up we were just like how many cows are you worth? i bet she's only worth a goat you know oh. <laughs> i know what an insult that would start a fight <laughs> so yeah it was definitely phasing out by the time like um like mine came along like my like uh generation came along but i remember like my dorm parent i like attended a boarding school my dorm parents said that like she held in her heart the big belief that um there shouldn't be a dowry system mm-hmm. and that was like revolutionary for her time um and then she struck out with a bunch of guys because they were just like no no we need like at least a little bit of money because we're gonna be taking care of you for the rest of our lives and st- well but finally there came the sweet old teddy bear of a man who was like just like oh yeah i don't need dowry are you a good person yeah you're a good person okay let's get married i mean it was still an arranged marriage but like for the most part that marriage was highly respectful in the sense that you didn't desire compensation for marriage uh it was arranged but they respected each other as people and that's yeah, that's yeah. kind of what they took into their marriage also yeah and like literally i like my dorm parent when she was when she was telling us this our dorm mom she was just like so you know when i met mr his name okay maybe i shouldn't disclose their names but and he <laughs> mr. was like smith. mr smith okay <laughs> no, okay this is a south indian couple okay there's no mr smiths in there <laughs> that, i just it's just a random thing that popped up <laughs> sure mr smith let's call it <laughs> i mean it was a christian name so let's call it mr zachariah uh-huh. okay there you go we've got one um she's like when i met mr zachariah i heard that he respects women and does not des- uh, d- desire dowry and immediately i was like god thank you i'm in love now <laughs> and i was like oh the fact isn't that ins- i mean okay it was so sweet but also the fact that like even just that baseline requirement was such an important foundation for like loving someone right mm-hmm. like that's insane and i mean i'm really glad but like that's also just bare minimum as well. I mean, he is a, he's a really sweet guy. We love Mr. Zach. But, um, like, you know, like, it's it's just, it's so sweet. That's um, the thing about countries like India, like India mm-hmm. and Nigeria. Some things that are just the bare, some things that people... Is enough, right? Yeah, yeah. we consider just the bare minimum is, like, revolution, will be revolutionary. No, yeah, like, growing up, like, I'd hear... So, I actually, I grew up in, like, a fairly westernized community. Mm-hmm. But, like, we lived right by the wall of our, like, walled community. Um, and on the other side of the wall, we would hear the neighbors like hitting, like we would hear domestic abuse. And that was insane to grow up with because mm-hmm. as a kid, um, like as a kid, you have hope for like change in the world and everything. So I would like often like talk to my parents and be like, I heard, I heard crying. What's up with that? Like, and you could hear like a uh, squabbles. Like I couldn't understand the language too much, but it was very clear. You know, there's an angry argument, quarreling happening. And like at some point you would hear the like the the, the sound of the blows. Yeah, hits. of the blows, yeah, and the screams and stuff. And that's insane to live with. And they all had neighbors too. So the fact that nobody feels comfortable complaining this or truth be told, it's not even that they don't feel comfortable, it's that they know that the authorities won't do anything about it. Like even his, right now. That's his wife is supposed to be her. Exactly. In it is actually a thing that you're really? like the father, you're, you you can beat your wife to like discipline her. That's discipline. Oh gosh, <laughs> let's okay. <laughs> the word discipline is so degrading to me because it's such a an implicate like okay, discipline is good obviously, but the way the people use it as a verb form, it's so much like training your dog. And exactly. that there is such an amount of like 
how is anybody allowing that to be kind of posed to a human being you know i mean don't hit your animals okay first off that's not what i'm saying um but like to imagine and to equate a human being to that level and and thinking that it's just to hit them is insane like that's just crazy i totally understand what you're saying because and it is almost heartbreaking that the fact that nobody helped that poor woman because mm. it was it, um she that's her life she's supposed to be married in, yeah. in it she's supposed to make it work yeah. and for some reason i'm supposed to make something that affects me physically mentally emotionally and just take it every single day for how long until he dies exactly Is that when I'll be free? exactly so like all this talk of um, the covenant of marriage mm-hmm. and the sacredness and like it's so interesting because sometimes like i've had to talk with like teachers and stuff about this right and like talking about we'd be reading like literature or something that represents a very domestically abusive relationship and when i say stuff like oh she should get out of the relationship the teacher's response is well she shouldn't have gotten into it she should have like gauged whether or not that's a good man right somehow making it her fault instead of the man's fault and the thing and it's the same thing like what you said it's like that degree of victim blaming is intensely culturally um that's a cultural assumption like we don't even question that you know we just take it for granted that it is the woman's fault and that's in there what is which is like it's never the victim's fault and, never and you know what the fact about that often it doesn't just start they don't it doesn't just start happening the person is usually very charming at first that's the thing somebody yeah. can fake being another person for maybe like a year or so but when yeah. you're you're married it's supposed to be a forever thing yeah so you take advantage of that and all of a sudden it's it's just it's shit exactly <laughs> all of a sudden it's shit it's shit um okay well that's a great topic <laughs> speaking of shit let's talk about like how the shit became less shitty So let's talk about how feminism has grown over the ages. So the earliest known and uh, captured feminist feminist uprising was more dependent on class. So it was a market uprising because of the high cost of goods. So Roman women filled the Capitoline Hill and blocked every entrance to the forum when the when the consul resisted attempts to repeal laws limiting women's ex- use of expensive goods. So Um this was basically more of a class war but uh absolutely this was the first time that women had come together and organized a revolt of sorts. Um and Cato said and these are his words I'm quoting, if they are victorious now, what will they not attempt? Cato cried. As soon as they begin to be your equals, they will have become your superiors. Even that quote alone is so insecure. It's exactly. It's so indicative of this like fear of losing power, their patriarchal power that they're losing. Um and this like okay, so this form of like women's unionization was the first of many because soon enough and I think this is the most popular and the most uh, commonly known one is the women's suffrage movement. So this movement was a decades-long fight to win the right to vote. Fifty years ago today, the 19th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution gave women the right to vote. On this anniversary, a militant minority of women's liberationists was on the streets. Tonight, 
So remember, man, if you come to work tomorrow and your secretary refuses to do the filing and then go home and find that your wife has refused to do the cooking, don't blame them. Remember, you gave them the vote 50 years ago. The clip that you just heard was from The American Experience, a show on PBS. The most famous suffrage movement was the one in the United States, yes. but the suffrage movement happened in many different countries, which is why the women have the right to vote vote now. Um, and it took like it took activists nearly a hundred years to win that right in the United States, for example. And the campaign took longer in in some places and shorter in some places. But it was all a long, long time that it took to fight and win for that. Um, and this was primarily white women and we say that because there was a degree of privilege that it took to be able to even fight for your right to have a voice enough to ask for that was unheard of if you were a woman of color this that's why the suffrage m- movement is so fascinating because mm-hmm. it is a fact that if if white women were not leaving this if they were not part of it it would have been impossible for a woman of mm-hmm. color to go oh I I want the right to vote first. You're a woman and you're colored. Mm-hmm. It's like a double disadvantage. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But they were women of um, upper class. They were probably they were probably married to good people. They mm-hmm. probably had some sort of education and comfortable life. Mm-hmm. And they were fighting. They gathered around and fo- and started fighting for this one thing, which was honestly like. It gate was it was a gateway, but it was also accepted because oh, this particular people are the ones that started it, so it's less yeah. threatening. Yeah, it's it's really interesting that you make that note because you're absolutely right. I feel like we kind of needed that, and it's good. It's good, obviously. It's great that women fought for the right to vote, obviously. But it's just interesting to see that it was still highly dependent on um like on like the the perspective of women in this westernized lens like they were operating on the assumption that they were fragile but not without worth so it's interesting right so they it was because they were still considered valuable be it albeit in like a very weird like fetishized way but they were still valuable to society and that way they were able to sort of um make the case for women's rights um so kind of going off of that it's interesting to note we talked about being doubly disadvantaged if you're a woman of color and um that kind of brings us into intersectional feminism and that's like a huge huge topic because it's so indicative of this like unearthed world that's still constantly being represented at the moment so uh both of us are women of color and we've kind of had to deal with the 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 well the otherness that comes from that right so our favorite icon (laughs) sojourner truth has some lovely lovely things to say she is the intersectional queen it's not listening to her is honestly an it's an experience you have to like listen to her to understand the experience Mm -hmm. yeah that man over there says that women need to be helped into carriages and and lifted over ditches and to have the best place everywhere nobody ever helped me in the carriages or over mud puddles or gives me in the best place ain't i a woman look at me Look at my arms. I have plowed and planted and, and gathered in the barns and no man can head me. And ain't I a woman? That was a clip from the iconic Ain't I a Woman speech by Sojourner Truth in 1851, performed at Kansas State University at the 8th Diversity Summit by Pat Theriault. And in this little sound snippet, she sort of talked 
a great deal about how she is not at all the type of a delicate woman whom who is uplifted, not the type that is pedestalized, not the type you'd woo over. Instead, she could she, she could beat you up. <laughs> and um, I love that. I love that she kind of makes you question what it means to be a woman in society and what that why it's different for her as a woman of color. Exactly. She powerfully brought out the point that even though that it even though she's a woman, she is not taken care of the way a white woman would mm-hmm. be taken care of. Yeah, no one's opening doors for her, she said, right? Yeah, it, it's it's insane. Exactly. And it's like you said, it's a big part of intersexual feminism and it's kind of what we were saying earlier that feminism the fact that white women led feminism was a big help mm-hmm. and it was good that colored women could also like notice uh, also notice that way I am not I am I am not treated the same way you are mm-hmm. so that's because so I'm black I'm a woman but the black part out are, are trumps Mm-hmm. <laughs> the um the woman part it's that's what it is yeah yeah i could work as much and 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 eat as much as a man when i could get it and bear the lash as well and ain't i a woman i have born 13 children and seen most all sold off to slavery and when i cried out with my mother's grief none but jesus heard me and ain't I, ain't I a woman? So it's interesting, right? So um, there's a feminist scholar, Kimberly Crenshaw, and she says, all inequality is not created equal, which is very much like expanding on this, like, yeah, that's, it's the truth is, some people have it worse, which doesn't at all mean that the people who have it bad should stop complaining. Like the example that I would use would be like a classist example. So for example, a person in a lower middle class job is running out of money and doesn't can't afford proper health care in and his his job doesn't provide um health care at all so he, he has every right to complain even though there are people who are homeless and have less than him who also similarly have the right to complain so kind of in that sense just because someone has a worse or better both of them have voices in this and it's just it was very tragic to see that intersectional voices didn't really have a platform at that point i'm not going to say they're voiceless because that was obviously disingenuous like they obviously had things to say about it you know they didn't need people to um pretend to speak on their behalf they needed to speak but what they needed were people to listen exactly nobody paid attention yeah it's okay to it's okay when the wives are like getting together and drinking tea and discussing oh, yeah. oh, that, that, oh it's fun it, it's fun it, when yeah. the men suck <laughs> <laughs> it, it's like oh that's women. the men are okay with that oh that's women's work they're they're doing women's oh, yeah. stuff mm-hmm. but when people of color start getting involved it's like um what's happening is this a revolution <laughs> exactly exactly there's something so intimidating about that perception and it actually comes from like a deep intrinsic fear i believe uh, it's that they believe that it's different you know like so white women doing it it's almost like at the time lots of men and this is coming from me like reading a bunch of victorian literature as well the I way that like literature. me too me too agatha christie <laughs> gosh she can she can whisper murder mysteries to me any day um so yeah like uh, the way that men sort of dismiss women in victorian literature for example it's just like oh let them do their thing and stuff you know exactly. and it's just like like darn they really don't believe that there's anything 
legitimate coming out of the suffrage movement for example they were just like oh they're just being pretty and cute mm-hmm. look at them silly little girls and, you know exactly. and it's just like a wow okay it's really patronizing but at least it allowed them a bit of a voice and a bit of a way to gather and unionize on that you know it's yeah. just it's really interesting that even that patronization almost kind of helped at that point um so it's interesting because that that pa- patronizing is bad obviously but at least it got them like uh, somewhere their foot in the door in, exactly yeah. got them in the door at yeah least. yeah you have to i guess you have to make some sacrifices to open some doors and that's all the time we have for you today thank you for joining us on what's your story at cgsw Tune in next episode where we're covering part two of Feminism, where we interview a guest. As we are recording this at the University of Calgary campus, uh, we would like to acknowledge that it is located in the heart of southern Alberta. The University of Calgary acknowledges and pays tribute to the traditional territories of the peoples of Treaty 7, which include the Blackfoot Confederacy comprising of the Sigsaga, the Pigani, and the Gaina First Nations, the Sutina First Nation, and the Stony Nakoda, including Chiniki, Bear's Paw, and Good Stony First Nation. The city of Calgary is also home to the Métis Nation of Alberta Region 3.